Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning, witches. It is April 3rd, 2023. It is Monday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by the magic of trees. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, those who believe in telekinetics, raise my hand. By Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, what are we drinking today? We are drinking actually one of my like low-key favorite teas that I sometimes forget exists, which I don't know how that works, where it's like a favorite, but I forget it exists, but it is. Uh, this is Freezer Spell from Sip a Spell. And this is our um, like lemon green tea. It tastes like lemon meringue pie. I crap you not. So lemon meringue. Green tea, delicious. It's sweet. It's bright. It's creamy. It has green tea, lemon, vanilla, and cream. And it is just uh, absolutely perfect for springtime. So, this tea I think is ideal again for the light half of the year. Um, it is a green tea. So, you steep it at about 180 for two to three minutes. And uh, the ingredients are green tea. Apple pieces, orange, lemon, vanilla, and cream flavor as long, along with marigold. Um, so we're actually going to talk about apples this week. Uh, apples is really fun because it spans like mythology and folklore and history and culinary and magic. And there's just so much there. So we're going to dig in. First, we're going to talk about apples in mythology. This is really fascinating. So. This comes to us from historicsites.nc.gov, North Carolina Gov site. Love to see it. So um, throughout time, apples have been revered by cultures around the world. In various mythologies, apples are used as a symbol of love, beauty, and wisdom. So in Greek mythology, Gaia, Mother Earth, presented an apple to Zeus and Hera on their wedding day as a symbol of their love. The huntress, uh, Atalanta, refused to marry unless a suitor could defeat her in a foot race. One suitor, Melanion, accomplished this by dropping three golden apples, gifts from Venus, the goddess of love, during the race. And when she stopped to pick them up, she lost the race and she married him. Iris, the goddess of discord, became enraged because she was not invited to the wedding of a fellow god and goddess. She tossed the guests an apple with the inscription, For the Fairest. Three goddesses, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite, thought the apple was intended for them. So, to uh, end the dispute, Paris, a mortal, was given the task of judging. The apple was awarded to Aphrodite, and the goddesses were furious and brought devastation on Paris and his family. According to the legend, the clamor eventually led to the Trojan War. So in a Teutonic mythology, the god Bragi was distinguished for his nobility and wisdom. He married Adun, 
the uh, goddess of eternal youth and guardian of the golden apples. Her magic prevented the gods from aging. In Native American mythology, to the um, so oh the apple the apple tree was considered the central tree of life. And then in the Bible, the apple tree was regarded as the tree of knowledge and tree of immortality. Super cool. All right, which is moving into some headlines. Oh, we already talked about this. Is this the bee? The bees. Oh, we already talked about the bees. I think I mixed this article up with a different article. So I'm going to skip this for today. And tomorrow I'll get back to you with the correct article. I think I just accidentally um, grabbed the wrong one. Okay, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent, and after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, April 3rd. The waxing gibbous moon fingers through a card catalog in Virgo today. Here, the moon trines Uranus. Venus is still conjunct Uranus, making mischievous Uranus leave happy little surprises throughout your day. Since you're not expecting these things, it's natural to be taken aback by these happenings. However, if you accept that these minor inconveniences are meant to assist you on your path, you're more likely to have an open mind about where this day might take you. Your daily moon mantra is, those who can't change their minds can't change anything. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you, that you are in charge of your own destiny. The Magic of Trees is not just a book on tree magic. It is about drawing on the strength of forests and tree energy to better connect with ourselves, other people, and the world around us. Each chapter reinforces meditations, spells, and rituals that will reconnect humanity with its roots at every stage of life. These practices take a hands-on approach to life and spiritual work. They lead to individual self-awareness and fulfillment through healthy natural practices. Plus, this text has the added benefit of fine-tuning spiritual tree connections, which never stop growing. Find the magic of trees wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So, um, for the past few weeks, we basically set up where someone could win a copy of the um, the Magic of Trees, the book about tree magic, and it's full of spells and rituals and meditations. So, the prompt was to write in and share just how nature has helped you, you know? So, we got some great responses, and I'm going to announce the winner. So, I'm going to read the responses first, and then I'll announce the winner. So first is from listener Allie. Allie says, Hi, Tanya. I was just talking to some mom friends about this. They wondered why parenting young children wasn't any fun. That used to be me. I was so overwhelmed and exhausted. Out of desperation for fresh air, I started taking my little humans to a local forested park. Every time I got into the woods, my mood shifted and I relaxed. 
Now I go to the forest with my children whenever things are getting too much for any of us. If my first grader has a rough day at school, we go straight to the trees. If I'm overwhelmed by my to-do list, I pack for a hike. If my kids can't seem to get along, out we go. Our regular tree baths have helped each of us individually and also improved our relationships. My children have fun exploring together, so this has improved the sibling bond, and my bond with them is stronger too. I know that they grow up. We have places to go to relax, have fun, talk about hard things. The magic of trees has helped me become a better parent. Oh, I love that. Hi, Tanya. It's easy for me to say nature has saved my life. After 25 years of marriage, I found out my husband was cheating on me and wanted a divorce so he could marry her. I had two pissed off teenagers at home, so it was a very tough time. In the divorce decree, I either had to go to work or go to school to be trained. I decided to go back to school and study horticulture. That's what my BS was in, but from a different part of the country. It didn't translate to California. Going back to school saved my life. My favorite class was California Natives. I can and do go hiking and can identify the plants, making them feel like old friends. I can follow the seasons by what the plants are doing, and I've been able to make a living and support myself in the landscape industry. For the last nine years, I've been the head gardener for a nonprofit that provides uh, environmental education in schools using native plants and edible gardens. Many of these gardens I've designed. Currently, I am working on a native plant garden, working with local indigenous tribes, documenting their uses of local native plants. This journey has been life-saving and life-altering. Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what I was going to get with this question, and I'm so I'm moved by everyone's responses. Nicole says, I have used nature to help heal throughout most of my life without much thought put towards it. As if nature knows what you need and calls to help heal. From childhood on, nothing is better than feeling the warm spring rain on your skin, the sounds of rolling thunder lulling you to sleep, or being able to enjoy the beauty of a lightning storm and feel the power in the air. One of the best smells is that of the dark, moist dirt. If they could bottle that up in a perfume or spray, I would buy it up so fast. The sensation of floating in a lake with closed eyes and the feel of warm sunshine is simply amazing for cleansing the soul and forgetting the worries of the world. Sharing time under a tree while reading a book or just sitting quietly and basking in the presence of the tree, the joy of finding your new favorite tree and admiring the twists and turns and the flow of the branches, the birch trees showing off their majesty of their white underbark in the winter months, walking on a warm morning with a cool breeze at the, as the sun is rising with your bare feet on the ground, meditating at the top of a hill with the firm sandstone underneath you as you let your mind free, listening to the hawks call to each other as they soar overhead while watching them fly in lazy circles in the sky, watching the cardinals and blue jays flutter about in the wind, cherry trees chittering about to each other. That was very lovely. Okay, I think we have one more. Let's see. That might be it. Let me just do one more scan. Scan, scan. Okay, I think that is it. Yes. So um, our winner is Patty. So Patty, I will 
um, email you for your shipping. And thank you uh, three so much for sharing. I really, really appreciate it. And this was not on purpose, but in a complete coincidence, this also kind of relates to our topic today. And this actually comes from our listener, Jesse. Jesse says, this might be totally weird, but I've always been interested in the possible connection between spells and weather. Is it really possible to influence the weather? Uh, so this is a great question. And, um, of course, we, we know that throughout history, people have always been trying to control the weather, right? Because, like, uh, before we had the luxury of uh, the homes we have and um, AC and heat and all that, like, weather was the determinant of life and death, like, right? Like, rain meant crops grow, um, a hurricane meant your whole life was destroyed. So people have been trying to control the weather for a really long time. Now, in terms of weather magic, it does get a little difficult, right? So when Jesse sent this question, I was like, oh, I totally know weather witches, you know? I'm going to take a sip of my tea. Mm. So I was like, I totally know weather witches. I totally know people who do this. So I'm sure there's a plethora of information. Well, to my surprise, um, we would not maybe be 100% on that because I really struggled to find a decent resource. Um, it's almost like when I would was looking for information on amulets and talismans, like all that was coming up is books, which is like so cool. I love that. I love books. I support books. I'm obviously in the book industry. Please buy books if you like a subject, right? Like, if after you're done hearing me talk about weather magic and you're like, wow, I want to know more about that. I want to like really um, harness that power. Then you go get a book, right? I actually had to explain to someone once. They like complained to the magazine that like everything was kind of surface level. And I was like, yeah, it's a magazine. That's what a magazine is. Like it's surface level. If you want anything deep, you got to get a 300, 400 page book and like dive in there. Like that's not what this is. That's not that medium. So obviously on this podcast, we can only go so deep. We talk for just a few minutes. So the whole point is that you hear something I say, you like it, and you dig further. So that's what my job is, right? My job is to give you little tidbits, little sprinkles, little samplers, so you can be like, oh, I did. I totally was not aware that that's what magic weather is. Um, magic weather, weather magic. And like, oh, I love that. I want to dig in. So I love books, but like, you need to kind of know what something is, right, before you can decide if you dig in. Um, I'm often very critical of book descriptions. Um, I'm like, if I don't know what this book's about, I'm not going to buy money on it, or you know. So that was kind of when I was like, what I was running into with weather magic is I just kept finding book upon book upon book, and it's like, how can people buy these books if they don't even have a basis on if it's something that could jive with them, right? So I found some information. Let's dig in there. Thank you for my little mini rant and for that space. I appreciate it. So this comes to us from LearnReligions.com, Patty Wingington. Good old friend, Patty. So in many magical traditions, weather magic is a popular focus on workings. The term weather magic can be used to mean anything from divination, forecasting, to actually controlling the weather, which again, historically is very popular. When you consider that many of today's folk magic customs are rooted in our agriculture, it makes sense that an ability to foretell or change weather patterns might be considered a valuable skill. After all, if your family's livelihood and life depended on the success of your crops, weather magic would be a handy thing to know. 
So here's a few different uh, things people use, especially in terms of divination. So one, there's dowsing, the ability to find a water source in a previously unknown area via divination. In many parts of Europe, professional dowsers were hired to locate new places to dig wells. This was typically done with the use of a forked stick or sometimes copper rods. The stick was held out in front of the dowser, who walked around until the stick or rod began to vibrate. The vibration signaled the presence of water beneath the ground. Then we have harvest predictions. So in many rituals and societies, fertility rituals were conducted to ensure a strong and healthy harvest. For instance, the maypole during Beltane often tied into fertility of the fields. Um, we once had someone asked in where they were like, is there any goddesses that aren't about fertility? But you can see like so much of magic is about fertility because like the ground being fertile was like, again, life or death. Um, so for instance, like we said, the maypole, farmers used divination to determine whether the grain season would be successful. A few kernels of corn placed on hot iron would pop and jump around. The behavior of the hot kernels indicated uh, whether or not the price of grain would go up or down in the fall. Uh, we see this with um, Groundhog's Day, Punxsutawney Phil. Um, it was important to know if there'd be six more weeks of winter. The, uh, speaking of that, we have weather divination. So now the question is, can you control the weather? So the term weather magic is one that is met with a variety of reactions. The very notion that a single practitioner could generate enough magical power to control such a powerful force as the weather is one that is often met with skepticism. I mean, is I'm sorry, but is not everything we're doing met with some ounce of skepticism? You know what I mean? Come on. So weather is created by a complex combination of forces all working in tandem together. And it is unlikely that you're going to bump into someone who has the skill, focus, and knowledge to actually control anything as vast as weather patterns. Now, this is not to say that weather control magic is impossible. It certainly can be, and the more people involved, the more likely the chances of success. It is indeed a complex process and one unlikely to be carried out by um, an, an inexperienced and unfocused solo practitioner. However, it is possible to influence existing weather systems, particularly if you're looking at short-term needs. After all, how many of us remember doing a sort of snow day ritual the night like before a big test? Um, which, again, is unhelpful in the South, but, you know. <laughs> in the book Nebraska Folklore, author Louise Pound describes the efforts of early homesteaders to make rain on their fields, particularly since they knew that the local Native American tribes had rituals that were credited with controlling the weather. So we definitely see where this comes from, right? Now let's dig into a little bit more practicality. <clears throat> So this comes to us from stormbornwitch.tumblr.com. So uh, I'm going to skip past the stuff we already talked about. So the most common form of weather magic has been practiced for hundreds of years. Depending on the pitch and tone of the whistle, a witch is said to create a gentle breeze or sharp gust of wind. Traditionally, if the skill of the whistling up a wind does not come naturally to you, the option of making a wind whistle out of willow or adler wood is available. So, and this person, I will link this in the uh, witchpod.com link tree. 
Um, but she does have resources on how to actually whistle up wind if you want to give that a shot. It also seems like a great thing to do with children. Now, storm casting. Storm casting is the art of creating storms. There are many different methods to creating storms and bringing rain. The method used by uh, this writer's family is to fill a jug with water while sitting outside, pour the water into a basin or bowl, dip the tip of your pointer finger into the water, and slowly make five clockwise circles in the water. If you have a pendant, this can be used instead, just above the water. If you are making circles, call the wind to bring in a storm by blowing or whistling over the water in the basin. So it seems like storm casting is very similar to wind whistling, uh, just you incorporate water, which makes so much sense. And then she also has links uh, to methods to try that. Now, there's also ways to stop a storm. Um, the most common are dispersing or biting storms. However, there are also ways to prevent storms from coming by directing them away from where you are. Um, this is great if you're holding an event and you need good weather, right? Like if you're holding a wedding that you spent like 30 grand on, you're like, ugh, let it rain in the next town over, not here, you know. This method involves spreading the storm out over a large area, thereby minimizing its effects. You can disperse a storm by calling winds to blow it away. Uh, or if you favor using weather maps, you can draw the low-pressure system moving away and gradually dissipating. There's also storm binding, which uh, has the idea of binding the storm to an object and then, like, controlling the object to control the storm. So it's very interesting. This person has a lot of great resources, so I will link this blog into in the link tree so you can check it out if that interests you. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to Jessica Roberts. Jessica, you spiffy, mystical, selky. Kelly Carrado, Kelly, you starry-eyed, opulent oracle. Tammy Ann, Tammy, you Arcadian, scrumptious, tropical fish. And Jesse East, Jesse, you sophisticated, glowing gnome. Thank you for so much being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And we are switching to a new deck. We are done with the metaphysical cannabis deck that we've been talking about since January. And in honor of my birthday month, we are switching to Buffy Tarot. <laughs> Love. Okay, so... Our card today is the Ace of Chalices. The Ace of Chalices finds you. Like Anya on her wedding day, finally getting what love is. You have realized that alone isn't better and you are ready to open yourself up to a deep, lasting relationship. This can mean healing an estranged family, finding a best friend, falling in love, or even becoming a parent. As love takes all forms. But this manifests, or however this manifests for you, take this as a sign to say yes. All right, witches, that's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we've referenced today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day. 
full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally, I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. Women and their doctors are the ones that are in the best position to make informed decisions about what is best for them no one else. No bill that criminalizes abortion will stop anyone from making this incredibly painful decision. These bans will not stop abortion from happening, but they will drive women and girls and people into the shadows, which is what this has always been about, shaming and controlling women's bodies. In the week after I shared my story on my show, women were coming up to me in the street, in the supermarket, at my gym, with tears in their eyes, thanking me for my bravery. But the word brave didn't sit right with me. Why is it brave to speak to an experience that millions of people around the world throughout history have gone through? And then I realized it is considered brave because as women, we have been taught to feel shame about our bodies since birth. I am so sad that we have to sit here in front of a row of politicians and give deeply personal statements because the why doesn't matter, it should not matter. I am a human being that deserves autonomy in this country that calls itself free, and choices that a human being makes about their own bodies should not be legislated by strangers who can't possibly know or understand each individual circumstances or beliefs. I'm here today to help destigmatize a legitimate medical procedure and continue to encourage women not to allow themselves to be shamed for their choices. And finally, I am here today for my two little girls, Birdie and Cricket. My dream for them is that they will live in a world in which women are truly equal with complete control over their own reproductive health. That is the dream I hold for all people, regardless of their privilege or parents or what state they live in. That dream is slipping further and further from reality with every ban passed. I hope that you, our elected leaders, can help us reverse the tide. Thank you. I look forward to today's discussion.